0: And yes,
1: hey. yes, 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 yes. We back at it again. Chosen One Radio for the 2-0 and the 2-1 two 2021. Life. We got OG Bones here. Woo! And you know he just dropping some gems, oh, He yeah. came over, spurred a moment, came over and um we talking about how like, you know, nobody no. owe you nothing in this world. Nobody. You gotta go ahead and get what you deserve. And, you want to be day, a
0: G, you got to earn a ticket as a G. Say it then. You got to earn a ticket as a G. Say that then. You cannot walk around thinking you a G. Because when you not a G, but a G will help another person step his G up. Yes, Lord. And they not kid. Yeah. You trying to make them not be a G, yeah. but be society, be bad to roll. Come Ooh. on, y'all. Yeah. Every listen, chat, listen, this like, the thing. What
1: OG Bone saying, man, listen. If you a real G, you're going to help another man. You're going to uplift another man. You're going to help him avoid trying to crash out. We ain't crashing yeah. out. Uh, we avoiding that. It. It's too hey, much on. On shit, talk, yeah, It's too much death going on. Yeah, it's too much death going on. It's too much senseless violence.
0: See, people don't care, yo, yo. And
1: we got to be don't care about focused.
0: They think one way, but life is the right way. Right. Fuck it. Excuse my friend, but life is like this.
1: Hey, look, it's Unkind and Raw. You got to speak speak your feelings, OG.
0: Come oh, in. but uh, I'm telling you, life ain't yo. If you ain't riding no if you not fucking dealing with what's in front of you, here's the first thing. You yo, all these young kids, all they want to do is Oh, I I, I, I I, can get my grip. You ain't got no grip, because you ain't got nothing. You chasing these street games, yo. So- street games, it's no good, good. But I say this to everybody that's listening to this. All life is about, yo. I'm yo, I'm 56 years old, and I'm going to tell you this. Life is uh, what you did in the past. It's not what you're going to do in your future. So all you got to do is wake your ass up, fuck that, and do what you got to fucking do. Because as long as you stay down, you're going to be there. As long as you get up, shit might change. But I love you and I respect everybody out here doing this shit. Yes, yes, indeed. But that's live, what it is, cook. and That's direct. what it is, cook. Baltimore,
1: respect yourself nigga. city zone all day nigga. Respect you respect wow yes yeah, sir yes indeed man but you know shit, we gotta let the voices of our community speak on this platform sometimes they don't know how to tap in sometimes they don't know how to really um, go out here and reach that, outside though. the people they yeah, see everyday but you know in Chosen my Radio I'm humble enough I'm humble enough I'm, I'm smart enough I'm real enough to open up my platform to the OGs in the neighborhood and speak on things that they see fit to be spoken on. I'm gonna get minds. I'm gonna talk about minds. They went through theirs and they still here. You know what I'm saying? So let them give. Let them have a special seat at the table with the youngest and, and come talk. I'm 29. He 56. That's a couple of years apart, but guess what? We still wanna grow forward every day. We still want to take care of our family every day. We still want to make sure that we don't have to ask another man to take care of us every day. We want to be able to protect the women in Mm -hmm. our life, make them happy. You know what I'm saying? So even though it's an age divide, we still can relate on a lot of different things. And that's what we do not talk about in our communities. Even though we have differences, what do we relate on? What do we all want? What do we all need? You know what I'm saying? Can we all work together cohesively to reach that? Can we all try to be humble and put our pride to the side and stop shooting? I mean, let's knuckle up if it's really got to go there. If it really could be avoided with a conversation, let's converse. It only helps you to have more ways to be able to communicate and really speak to people and reach back to people and and, and not hold them grudges against your mom, your dad, your cousin, your brother. Be jealous and compete with people. Start eating with people. You know what I'm saying? Start, 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 start actually fulfilling your destiny by putting your foot in front of the other and stop trying to worry about what like everybody else doing in their lane. Because how you going to be able to benefit or, or, or profit off what you're doing unless you really focus on your craft? Your craft is either hating or creating. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Elevating or taking. What you doing? Which, which, which direction are we moving in? And like I said before in another episode, when I'm talking to y'all, sometimes I'm talking to myself. So don't act like I'm on a high horse. But bottom line, bitch nigga, this is my horse. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Nip said, rest in peace, neighborhood Nip, rest in peace, DMX. We doing a dedication ceremony today on my platform. We doing a we, we we playing some music over here. Please don't sue me. I don't have the own I don't own the rights to none of this DMX, this Nipsey you gon' hear, this Shock G you gon' hear, the one that's put the satin on your panties. I never met a hooker that can share me. Me neither, Shock G. Me neither. You know what I'm saying? Recipes Tupac, Big. Recipes all my family members that's been gone. Aunt Tina, I love you. Aunt Monica. Oh my God. You know there's so many places and so many things you should have been doing and should have been able to be, keep doing and living and experiencing, but you know y'all not here, so we got to be real when, it, when we say, appreciate life, nigga. Appreciate life, people, um, because it's, it's, it's really priceless and it's fragile. Yes, indeed. As we got my man TJ coming through and his young one coming through, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, appreciate life. Appreciate... The ones in your life that you, you know, see. What's up, bro? And, um, you know, you we're in a time right now where it's even more important for us to know how to recognize our blessings and not maximize our our our, our, our troubles, you know? So this is some shit that is heartfelt. Chosen on radio. You know, we're we going to take it there. We're going to take it there with this one. Um, appreciate y'all listening. appreciate y'all tuning in. Peace, elevation, progression, no stagnation for all the real ones across the nation. I'm not hating on nobody, but if I see something that's not, you know, something I agree with, I got to speak on it. And sometimes I'm going a, to a hold that because, you know, we have used to use discernment when we got to speak on things and know when not to speak on things and just learn from it and just like, our right, peep that, i right, move differently, by peep that or learn from that. That's another skill, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's really about... What are you about? What do you stand for? Who do you want to be in this world? Because you got platforms now. You got opportunities now. Sometimes you got sacrifice. Do you have discipline? Do you have the willpower? Because they're going to try you. When things are going good, you can have a man, you can have a hundred M's. You can have two billion dollars and be depressed. Believe me. Just because I haven't had a billion dollars don't mean I can't understand how that, how that mind state will, will still occur. But what I'm saying is on some real shit, if you don't appreciate your life, God's not going to keep blessing you because he's going to let you have enough to get by, but he's not going to really give you that blessing and open that door up because you're not ready to appreciate it and really take full advantage of them opportunities. And that's coming from somebody that has some opportunities that has slipped. And I'm not down on myself. I'm not doubting shit. You know, what's meant for me is meant for me. What's meant for you will be meant for you. You know what I'm saying? So we're gonna have a little quick intermission and we're gonna get into some topics, y'all. Chosen One Radio, first episode of 2021. Thank you. We back. And we here to stay. Yes, indeed. Bless up, peace, elevation, progression for all the real ones across the nation. Black people, Spanish people, Latino rather, Polynesian, Samoan, Indian, Muslim, Christian. You know, uh, no disrespect, if you atheist, this might not be the podcast for you, unless you're looking for something to believe in, unless you're trying to tap in, because this is a faith-based platform right here, this is a real life God's son, you understand me? Like, the devil don't got nothing to do with this here, this Chosen One Radio, man, let me tell you, I have missed y'all, I have missed the platform, I have missed so many opportunities to speak on things going on in my life, but be here, be back. I feel like, I feel like perfect timing, feel like I'm too late, but I know I'm still great in spite of my mistakes. You know, you gotta find your pace. You know what I'm saying? Keep going, fuck the time it takes. Quote from the great, the late Nipsey Hussle. The marathon continuing on my side. Even if I'm not putting it all in there, you know, putting it all on document. Sometimes the best way to move is the uh, in silence. But when you have a podcast, when you have music you're doing, when you have a product or a service that you want to sell or offer to the people, moving in silence might not be the best way to move. So let me go ahead and start this off by just talking to all the creators out there. I started Chosen One Radio about, I would say, what, two years ago. Uh I always was told that I'm a conversationalist. I have many
0: excuse
1: me. I had many skills, but just being able to relate to people of all different backgrounds, all different ages, is like a superpower of mine. Like God I believe God gives everybody skills and talents. But when it comes down to it, a lot of people don't use their talents or skills unless it's a money incentive attached to it. And yes, I can make money from my podcast. Yes, I do make money from my podcast. But the fire that's in me to create the inertia of productivity... Sometimes I can kind of douse my own fire with doubts or fear of being successful, fear of being known, fear of being seen. Because let's be clear, since I was in kindergarten, James McKinley Elementary School, Atlanta, Maryland, PG County, represented Stand Up, 301, Shout DC, 202. You know what I'm saying? like I always had a lot of friends, I always had the attention of women. But as I get older and I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, I wanted to be the first black president when I was a child. With that being said alone, it wasn't because of the acknowledgement and the respect and all that, it was because I always wanted to help this world, I always wanted to figure out how can I change this world for the better. And as a four year old, five year old kid, in my mind from what I knew, the president was the one that could change everything. How you doing, you have a blessed day. You know, so when it come down to it, excuse me guys, like I'm out and about. We outside right now. We uh you know, we by North Avenue on the east east side, Baltimore. And um uh, we outside doing this podcast. That's another thing. You going to do a sidebar real quick, just to explain to you what you in what you're about to witness like. I'm I'm someone that's very spontaneous and calculated at the same time. I'm a well balanced guy, you know. I could be very laid back. I could be very hype. I could be quiet. I could be talkative. I could be very gentle, very nurturing, very caring. I could be aggressive. I could get something out of the way. I could move an obstacle. It just depends on the situation. It depends on the people around me. So, you know, in passing, the lady was coming by in a wheelchair, whatever, I just said, God bless, have a great day. Many people say things that don't mean it. If I say it, I mean it, you know. But uh, back to what I was saying. I've always had this drive inside of me to know that I can accomplish great things and I'm meant to do something bigger than what's in front of me, something that maybe a few people can see in me, Many people want to see in themselves, but not enough people actually materialize it and bring it into fruition. So, boom, four or five years old, I'm telling my Aunt Joanne, I want to be the first black president. I want to help the world. I want to help change the world. What used to get me the most was homeless people, right? I used to go out in Lanham, Glen Island, Landover, District Heights, Capitol Heights. D.C., Uptown, Southeast, Northeast, and I see homeless folks. I see homeless people, and that shit used to hurt my heart. And this is way before I'm in Baltimore City, and I had to sleep in my car certain nights. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't particularly homeless, but, you know, just the place I was at and the the situation I was in, I had to really trap it out on the whip, you know? Hot summer nights when... You know, the car's extremely, extremely humid. And then, you know, you crack the window, bugs can get in your car and all that. But let me not go off on a tangent and go on from the rant. Talking about, you know, my little stint with me sleeping in whips and all that. That'll be another podcast. Or maybe I'll double back to that later. But long story short, yeah, as a child, I always felt this though. I see big buildings. I see... Big cars and nice watches and people with excess. So why is there people with nothing? Why is there people with below a sandwich? Not even clean water to drink, washing. Not even a five-foot shack, a ten-foot shack To protect them and give them shelter from the elements, it just did something to me at a young age. So, you can ask my mom, shout out to my mother. I love you. I wouldn't be who I am without you. Shout out to my dad, my grandmothers, my grandfathers. I had a big community in my life. I still got a big village. Some of them in heaven, some of them still here. And even the ones in heaven, you still walk with me every day. Angels are real, demons are real. I don't hang with demons. I hang with angels. And I see life at a different angle. And uh, my POV is for only me. I'm trying to spread it out for all y'all can see. You know, but uh, sometimes you hurt yourself when you try to share the vision that God gave you before you actually work through the vision and bring it to life. So, it's another little sidebar information. We're going to do a lot of sidebars in the midst of the story that I'm telling, but we're going to get back to the story. So... You know, fast forward from four or five years old, wanting to be the black president. I love animals. My like my love for animals has developed over the years. Like as a child, I was kind of fearless about it. I, I didn't really have hesitation of walking up to a dog and um petting dog. I don't care if it was a laboratory or retriever, uh, which in Virginia, one time my grandmother Buddha lived in Virginia and Alexandria, nice, very nice area. When I was sat playing at the park and a uh, uh, Caucasian family had their Labrador Retriever, Golden Labrador Retriever, run up to me and he licked me. I think that might've been the first time that, I was about seven, eight, that might've been the first time my germaphobic nature triggered. I like animals, but I don't like animals licking me, kissing me, none of that type of shit. So I ran in the house, washed my face, soap, water, hot water, about three times, rinsed the dog, looked at myself in the mirror and said, never again. (laughs) But around that time, I still wanted to be a zoologist. So we had president, first black president in the world, zoologist, and not to mention, I knew God at a young age, probably about four or five years old. I went to church and stood up and really felt the spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, so I'm saying that to say that. Also, along with the fact that I wanted to help homeless people, along with the fact that I cared for animals, it was a lot of love inside of me. Despite the fact that it was some dysfunction in my household, it was some, you know, things that transpired that drove my mom and my dad apart, which hurt my heart. And I was like that that those girls, what was it Lindsay Lohan? What was it Lindsay Lohan? Well, I was like, you know, the girls in Parent Trap. Thinking of elaborate ways to try to get my mother and my father back together. You know, but to no avail. You know, what's meant to be, will be. And no child can change that. Um, And I love them both the same to this day. So, you know, no, no hard feelings. But I will be remiss to not say how I felt at that time. And how it all contributes to who I am today. And just pinpointing these key points and not giving up, and actually walking and moving and putting your foot in front of the other, because when you're stagnant, an idle mind, is the devil's playground. But I'm trying to go. He can't stay around. You heard. So uh, that's a big fact. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's an extreme truth. It's a it's a harsh reality. Like you know, if you just sit down and you just chill too much you're not getting anything done, you're not progressing, you're not growing, but you could be withering away, your mind could be actually getting weaker, your body definitely is getting weaker, atrophy, you know what I'm saying, but anyway, so, boom, I do a a school project, a book report on Blue Whales, I do a lot of scholastic book fair shopping and buying books that you know, cost two, three dollars, four dollars. My mom, my dad, grandma gave me some recipes. Nine, I love you. Gave me some change. Gave me two dollars, three, four, five dollars, ten dollars even to go to the book fair. And uh, I would get some always about animals or geology or geography or something like that. But with that being said, I uh, you know, that was probably short lived. Out of all my dreams, uh, most short lived. It was about. It was about uh. Hmm. Well, three, four years that I wanted to be a zoologist, and I thought they might not make enough money because, yes, I was balanced <laughs> at a young age. I always thought about purpose and passion and love and helping people, but I also thought I need money. I always told myself I want to have $300 billion by the time I'm 25, 22, 21 very very high expectations for myself very high expectations and I really actually believed it I knew it was other numbers that was considered to be successful and considered to be okay you made it if you make a million or you know, even more realistically for people that was around my neighborhood their parents making for like 40000 a year I think at the time my dad was making 50000 a year I was bragging about that but you know if you made 100000 plus in the 90s as a black man, black woman, or shit, even white people, you know? 100,000 where we from in the 90s, that was a lot of money. But here I am being a child thinking, that ain't enough for me, I'm going to have to have $300 billion because I want to help this world. I want to make sure everybody has access to food. Everybody has access to resources. Everybody has access to good living standards. You know, like, it's possible, but you know, people benefit from dysfunction, people benefit from people's struggles, people benefit from misinformation being spread, people benefit from sicknesses being spread and created and developed and mass-produced, and then creating a false cure. People benefit from these things, and it's not just now, it's been happening for decades, and... Well, shit, hundreds of years, centuries, thousands of years actually. So, back to the progression of my mind as a child and developing to who I am now. Uh, so, boom. My love of music, my love of God intertwined. I'm in church, Mount Calvary, uh, Mount Calvary Baptist, and Whitfield Chapel on Woodfield Chapel Road in Lanham. Uh, my nana used to take me up there. Pastor Cato, what's up? But my dad used to take me and my sister and my brother to From the Heart Ministries. Pastor Cherry. And um man, that did a lot for me because as a child that paid attention a lot to adult situations and adult issues. And I don't think I was even nosy. I think I just was soaking in information and trying to figure it out. Like, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to move in this world? And when you become an adult, what are some of the, excuse me, uh, when you become an adult, what are some of the challenges you're going to face? And I saw, some argument, I saw some fighting, I saw some, I saw some family members, you know, come to a great-grandma party and end up fighting my mother and her friends, and God bless my auntie. Um, and, you know, one minute my parents are showing me the most respectful way to carry yourself Explaining to me my homework, explaining to me how to be a gentleman. Uh, then the next minute, I'm seeing some some shit that that's that's a little wild. So it's like for me, I'm balancing everything in my mind just by just taking it all in, watching, you know what I'm saying, hearing conversations from me and my little friends and to my sister friends, but she's two older, two years older than me. My cousins, which uh, that vary from two years older, same age, five years older, 10 years older. Uh, I just always was a conversationalist and I always kept my eyes and ears open. Even though I could talk a lot, I listened a lot, I watched a lot. So I learned a lot from experience. So with the love of God, the love of music, uh in my heart, zoologist was gone by the time I'm ten eleven years old, I know a little bit about Martin Luther King Malcolm X and 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 what type of thought process behind those that killed them, legends and leaders of not just black people but of all people uh it offered a little bit of fear to be developing in my subconscious about my success about me being great because I always knew something great inside of me I always knew it was something amazing inside of me for, for to offer to the world like I was I was a little bit talkative in class extremely talkative in class at times but I always did my work and it was easy for me right now I'm gonna got challenged by some things in um elementary but most of the time it was, it was a breeze for me and um With that being said, uh, I didn't really have too much doubt about what I can accomplish at the level I'm supposed to be at, grade level, going to play football. I played football, I, I was quarterback for the Bowie Bulldogs. I played outside linebacker. I played running back for maybe like one season. I played outside linebacker like three years maybe. I played quarterback majority. the majority of the time I played football, Little League, I was quarterback. So I'm in a leadership position. Boys and girls club, yeah, you might say it don't count, but everything you do in your life contributes to the sum of the person you are. All the little pieces and fractions of phases of your life, little small slithers so there's a, of time that you spent with these people that might not be lifelong friends, but it was a seasonal thing. I have so many seasonal friends. I had so many things I did and dabbled in, and it all contributes to who I am now. And I could just pinpoint that and put it all together. And I'm see how I'm splitting my stories up and bringing examples from here and here from here and there. You might like might be like, why the fuck you can't stay on topic and just tell a straight story? It's because I like to add context. I like to add detail as much as I can so you can understand the level of the gravity of what I'm saying how deep it is so with that being said by the time 10-11 come around shit man I already had a girlfriend in kindergarten but I was flirting heavy in school you know I was popular me and my friends I, I actually left Lanham which I'm from And my dad, my mom, they split up my dad with the Bowie. So at that time, that's a more affluent area. It still is an affluent area in Bowie. I mean, in in PG County, Prince George's County, in Maryland. Uh, For those that don't know, PG. Uh, Those that know, they know. You know, (laughs) let me say something about PG. It's very complex as well. It's very complex. Just is like me. Like, it's not just one way. You got very nice areas, very affluent black people. Uh, diverse areas up and coming neighborhoods that have like strip malls that have like you know the bougie shopping stores and you might get a fucking Lululemon in the fucking middle of a plaza and Greenbelt now just because like it's been money being put into a lot of shopping experiences but a lot of neighborhoods still have been uh, the funds, the funding, the streets and the the community centers have not been updated or non existent, or you know, it's just, you can tell money being, it's a lot of kickbacks going on. I ain't talking about meeting with your friends and smoking and chilling and vibing. I'm talking about government kickbacks, political kickbacks. But you know what I am mean? going to all that, but just, you know, do your research. You can see, follow the money and the truth, gonna tell the truth, you know what I mean? Um, but with that being said, 10, 11 years old, man, Ja Rule heavy, Jay Z heavy, DMX heavy. Fabulous, Busta Rhymes heavy, uh, shit. Q-Tips vibrant thing, uh, uh, vibrant thing, vibrant. You know, I mean, you know, like I said, variety. Nigga, Eminem. I knew Eminem album, fucking front to back, word for word. Snoop Dogg, word for word. But Ja Rule had to be one of my favorite rappers at that time. Jay Z was my one of my favorite rappers at that time. Uh, Fabulous, one of my favorite rappers at that time. <sighs> who else? Who else? DMX, oh, my God, like, stop playing. DMX was definitely one of my favorite rappers. I bought the Great Depression album, and I was in fourth grade, I believe. So, you know, let's be real, man. Like, rap was always a big part of my life. My father's, my father and my mother both like rap, hip-hop, whatever you want to call it. My mom was a big fan of Snoop Dogg. My dad was a big fan of the West Coast music, too. So I grew up on the East Coast listening to New York rappers down South rapper shout out to Outkast that was heavy Ti, uh, yeah man a lot of a lot of influences even the people like Montel Jordan you know he was an R and B singer but he infl- he intertwined his music intertwined with hip hop so easily uh, and it was that urban culture that 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 electric feeling like we're electric beings and. I feel like no more, no music is more electrifying than hip-hop, you know? The energy that reggae provides is is like none other, but the spark that the hip-hop music, the right rap song can give you, just get you through your day and, and inspire you to hustle. I ain't talking about drugs. I ain't talking about illegal shit. I'm just talking about using your brain to make something happen, make something from nothing. Hip-hop, you know? So, me being a child that big on energy before I even understood energy, man, I start freestyling. <laughs> I start freestyling at, I, I would say, fourth grade for sure. Miss Robinson's class, going to the bus stop. Me, my little bro, Zell. Shit, DeAndre, uh, Abdul, Shaughnessy, Carlos, my sister Brooke uh shit let's 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 take it there like I'm trying to remember everybody, man, There's so many kids that used to be out there Muhammad. uh. This shit is crazy right now. My mind drawing a blank. But, you know, you get the idea. So many kids in our neighborhood, man. Chapel Road, the real Chapel Road, the real Whitfield. It ain't the same no more, man. It's not. It's not. The kids don't go outside and play no more, but I ain't going to go on a tangent, man. This shit really just hurt my heart to see how neighborhoods can change for the worse. But it's all, it's all good, man. You know, just memories is important. You got to hold on to them because, you know, the reality of something. is definitely going to change one day. So, 4th grade, going to the damn bus stop in the morning, just freestyling, no beat. Uh, and I even had other kids join in and freestyle. I wouldn't say we battled, but more like a cypher. And that was something that let me know I'm like a maestro. I'm like a I'm a young renaissance man because not only can I befriend kids from all backgrounds and different types of personalities and not try to do what naturally happens, I also can influence people to try something they have never done before, whether that be good or bad, and using your mind to be creative and rap. We ain't talking about killing and shooting. At that time, we wasn't talking about drugs. It was just kids talking about, yo, yo. I dress fresh when I get up. They so sick when they see my new shoes, they're going to spit up. I go hard like I do a thousand sit-ups. You know, stuff like that. Like, just, you know, just braggadocious, innocent braggadocious raps. And that was pretty, that was beautiful, because honestly, first of all, it was pretty interesting to see, I ain't going to say it was pretty, it was pretty interesting to see that kids can use their minds that way. Not adults, not teenagers, kids. We were in elementary school, fourth graders. Some of them was third graders and second graders trying to rap with us. (laughs) Fifth and sixth sometimes too, but yeah. So with that being said... 10 11 or maybe 9 10 cause about yeah about probably was 9 10 9 10. so let me see fourth I me mean, first kindergarten number four i was five in first six in the second seven and third eight and a fourth but i turned nine okay Yes, yeah, so I was about nine years old, eight or nine years old. But my favorite number's eight, so to think I really started rapping when I was eight, that makes more sense. It's eternal. <laughs> so with that being said, man, you know, I'm a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world, how people feel about black men, how people feel about black men that become successful and leaders. They love you on the surface, but behind the scenes, a lot of people are hating and envious. And at that young age, I started recognizing that from learning about Martin Luther King, learning about Malcolm X, hearing about Tupac and Biggie. Rest in peace to all four of y'all. Um, so I said, I didn't know about the music industry, though. I just thought the music industry was the way out and the way to become successful in the most fun way possible. So by that time, I didn't want to be a president anymore. I didn't want to... Go down to the constitution, Constitution Hall, or Congress, or anywhere, and talk to politicians and ask them what can they do to change certain things I see in the community or in in, in the city. How is it? Excuse me. When I was sleep, y'all, two hours of sleep. Honestly, I was deterred. I was deterred from doing that, and. I said, you know, if I become the first black president, they're going to do me like Kennedy. That's how I felt at that time. So fear had won the presidential candidate. You know what I'm saying? like I, I, I was not focusing and even thinking about that being a path for me anymore. So here comes the rap. The rap I did, the music industry uh, made that shit look so fun. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying the big pimping video. I'm saying Gloria Velez. Being a kid from PG County where, yeah, it's diverse, but in my neighborhood, shit, it's only black girls, a white girl named Gina and her family. Shout out to Gina and her family. We ain't really have too much. Super diversity at that point Now you go around my way Shit Not just regular black It's Africans From all over And Africans been out there Let me Let me be clear Africans always been In Whitfield since I was a kid And we are all black So let me not be divisive But It's just Let's be real Some Africans Consider them To be African And not black You know And that's real And that's somebody That grew up With my best friend Being African Since fourth grade You know Sierra Leonean household Took me in like another child and, you know, I will forever be grateful to Yank and Uncle Skipper. Rest in peace, Uncle Skipper. Uh, shout out to Abdul, Karamatu, Kalima, Laji Lodge. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to all of them. It's love forever. Man, hold your head, Bo. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be all right. You're going to get out of that situation. You're going to definitely outsmart the system, for sure. God bless. I say. But, yeah, long story short, like, I was more so interested in music and trying to influence the people around me to believe in the dream. And every time I got some free time, we would freestyle. And then I eventually just fast forward to about 13, 14. I started writing music, you know. I started writing music. One of my good friends, Andrew Council, C-City. You might know him at Sea City. Uh, His father, famous boxer, Andrew Council, he's senior. He a junior, like I'm a junior. Uh, Man, Drew started rapping and recording himself. As far as freestyling and all that before me, I don't know, but he was recording himself before me. And uh, first time we ever really made a song, we at Abdul House, 4518 Kimon Road the spot, my house was a spot in the neighborhood, but Abdul house was a spot because I yankin worked so hard. She wouldn't be there for 19 hours of the day, it's 18, 16 hours of the day. So parents away, the kids would play and they would play we did. As kids, we did it big and we should have had a damn documentary, honestly. Like we had groups and groups and groups of girls coming through all the time. We had a lot of fun, innocent times before even the girls got involved, before we have started having sex all that like it was just vibing chilling Who, whose house we playing basketball at the day uh, you know my first time eating cassava leaf my first time eating potato potato leaf uh, granite soup peanut butter soup pepper chicken man the first time at Abdul House on Yankin, the best African food I ever tasted in my life Auntie Yankin cooked so man this was a lot of culture we just taking in a lot of you know, we used to have groups of, it was probably about, it was me, Abdul, Andrew, Colin, Muhammad, Welton, shit. Gary wasn't from Whitfield, but Gary came around the way. But then you're thinking about, it was Josh, it was, shit. It was so many people that, like I said, it was phases of, I had my set core of friends, set core group of friends, but it was phases that I, man, this nigga looks sad, man. Let me, let me see what's up, bro. You wanna hang with me today? I might go pick up the the little, the, I might go pick up the little awkward dude around the neighborhood and let him hang with us for a little while. I mean, you know, just a lot of different shit I did just to try to spread love and try to include people and try to uplift people. And um, like I said, all the things that I went through as a child somehow led to who I am today and gave me small signs of what my purpose is. Right, being a leader, being someone that as an organizer, uh, someone that is going to motivate someone at their lowest point, because I've had to do it for myself, you know? I've had to really... I've had opportunities that a lot of people haven't had. I've had thoughts and ideas and aspirations that many people haven't had, especially at four years old wanting to be the president and thinking about how you can be an effective president and help the world. And thinking about how leaders are set up and eventually not wanting to be the president but still wanting to help as many people in the world as you can without becoming the president. Uh, You know, it's a certain type of spirit I had to maintain regardless of all the negativity, the failures, the mistakes, the setbacks. I had to maintain a core, positive nature, a core faith in myself to not ever lose that gift of naturally wanting to help people. And it could be a double-edged sword. And a lot of times it was, and it is to this day, when I want to help people that want not never help me or help people that can't help me, you know what I mean? But I feel like, you know, the orders come from God and who am I that follow them, you know? So, boom. Man. All right, by the time 13 hit, I'm in middle school, I left... I'm, I'm 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 back and forth living with my dad, back and forth uh, from Bowie to Lanham. My brother and sister, back let me let me rewind a little bit. My brother and sister they stayed with my mom more often than I did. I always was with my mom. Uh, it's not like she never ever disappeared. My dad never disappeared in our life, but it, they had split, split households, so. It's times when I was in first grade, I believe I, le- I left my mother's and my great-grandmother's house and I'm going to go live with my dad exclusively and go visit my mom on the weekends for a while, you know, because I just felt like man, down. I know my brother and sister ain't going to go live with my dad, but I ain't want to be by myself. So let's think about that right there. A parent is supposed to make sure the child is good and protected and doesn't feel alone and feel secure and feel safe with the parent, Right. I was thinking, even though my dad, big, strong, football player body type nigga, uh, let me not call him a nigga, a man that's athletic build, strong, big dude, not fat but muscular, you know, I, you know, I had a respect for my dad, and I felt like my dad was Superman, but when it came down to him leaving and all that, like it's more so, damn, he gonna be alone. Even if he had girlfriends, like my dad talked to a lot of women in his life when he became single and beautiful women, different varieties and all that. But I felt as though, and deep down inside, my dad wanted to be with his family. My dad didn't want him and my mom to break up. And who am I to just let my dad go live in his new house by itself? Let me go live with my dad. Right? First grade, thinking like that. I'm 30 years old now, 30 years young. Cause I don't think 30 is old at all. That's a misconception. That even when I was 15, 13, 12, 10, I was thinking like that. 30 is old, but it's not. You know, it's just enough age for you to understand who you are. You should have a sense of self at this age. You should learn about what's something that is uh, something that is a good addition to your life. What what works for you and what doesn't work for you. What you should be able to add to your life to help you. What you should be able to subtract to make your life easier. Uh, at thirty years, years young, thirty years of age, you know, I feel like my adulthood life is really just kicking in the second gear, and that's just catching my second wind as an adult. So, anyways, man, we moved to fifteen. I'm, I'm skipping around, just telling y'all little pieces of information about me to understand why I know I'm the chosen one, why I know I'm one of the chosen ones because several of us on this earth, but many are called, a few are chosen, you know what I'm saying? Many is it's billions of people in this world, so millions probably could be called, billions probably could be called, but I think I think thousands are chosen, you know? I think thousands are chosen. Thousands of people have been in America, Asia, Africa, Europe went through all type of challenges and obstacles and they didn't give up. They didn't turn bitter. They didn't say, I hate the world or I want to kill people or I want to rob people because some fucked up shit has happened to me. Nah, they learned from that shit. It might have broke them, drove them to the breaking point and they didn't fucking fully break and shatter to pieces. Me, I've been depressed three times in my life. 17... 19 and like 22 i was depressed after being that kid that always believed in itself always had high expectations for itself i woke up one day in school and famu 17 years old scholarship from bill gates woke up depressed woke up feeling like somebody completely different woke up feeling outside my body Woke up feeling like i was dying like, I went to the fucking doctors to see if I even had cancer or AIDS or, you know, I know I was fucking one girl and I had a girlfriend. I'm faithful and I, you know, I'm super healthy. I'm super health conscious. I said, what the fuck is this? Why am I waking up feeling like somebody like I've never felt before? Like discouraged to even look at myself, feeling weak, feeling you know, no confidence, feeling like when I'm walking on campus, I'm walking with my chest out, with my head high. Somebody even came up to me one day like, wow, man, who are you? You walk around like you own this campus, like you're the president of the campus. And with that being said, I went from that to walking with my head down, looking at the ground, not wanting to have eye contact with anybody. Walking past a homeless person, feeling like he's better than me, feeling like he has more promise than me. And you know why? Because I always had high expectations for myself, I went away from from my family. I went away from my girlfriend at the time, two thousand nine. Went to FAMU, Florida, Tallahassee. My dad had a big argument with me before I left and told me, "Man, jeez, you need to stay home, go to Bowie State." And my dad is a really strong-willed person. So many people might say he have a controlling nature. Me, I say. Excuse me, I say my dad wanted to guide every step that we had, especially as young men, because he knew about the raceful Emin era. He knew about getting shot in a house party, trying to go back to get a hat after they had a little tussle. You know, he knew about having love for someone, having children, getting married, and it not working out. He knows about college. He went to college, two colleges. He went to his first college away from home. It didn't work. He came back and went to Bowie State, and it worked. And he graduated. He got a degree, started working for the government. Even though he wanted to play football, that second option wasn't was a terrible option. He built a good life for his family, built a good life for himself, you know, the way he did it. So he felt as though, son, follow my footsteps to go to Bowie State. I said, nah, Dad, I work for this scholarship from Bill and Melinda Gates through DC Achievers. Shout out to Friendship Collegiate Academy on Minnesota Avenue, uh, gave me an opportunity that I wouldn't have had in PG County. Yes, the best county in the world, they say, for black families according to the median average income. Uh, they don't have that many programs when it comes to helping kids go to college and not having super debt. But D.C. does. So shout out to the District of Columbia and the programs. Man, uh, being an Achiever, D.C. Achiever, even though I didn't graduate with my degree from college, uh, I still will. But, you know, it was a a long journey. Shout out to the people that gave me opportunity. Shout out to the people that ever believed in me. Because this is what this whole episode is about. You're not going to give up when you're a chosen one. You might think you are. You might think you. This shit is not meant for you. You might think that God is just, just, just forsaking you. Nah, you have to believe that every little challenge you went through was to make you tougher, make your endurance.